Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. This morning's message is redeemed from sickness. I was starting to say that we learned from the early 1900s revivalists that one of the things that actually helped to to create an atmosphere that was conducive to God's will being executed over the place of healing in somebody's life uh, is to actually bring education on the subject. It's funny how much that lines up with what we've been teaching. Do you remember, and I'm, I'm, you know, out of sequence with my notes, but I I may end up just staying that way, so we'll see. Pray for me. Do you remember the scripture out of Peter that we've been that we've been talking about, that talks about all things have been given to us, you know, that, that all, uh, what does it say, Lord Jesus? Like all things for life and godliness, right? And it says through what? Knowledge. Through knowledge, right? Now, Rosie, you don't get to participate anymore. <laughs> she always knows the answers. It's through knowledge, right? You know, and, and so you, you have to understand then that, that there's a place that can exist whereby knowledge then, can keep us from the will of God unfolding in our lives. Can you hear that? Like if the benefits of the cross come via the knowledge of Christ and what he did, then how many of you know if I don't know what he did, then I will miss what he did entirely? Thank you, Ron. I'm going to need a little help today, sounds like. Has anybody ever received a notice from the post office on your door that says that you had a package delivered, but that they've got it downtown at the delivery place or whatever? Anybody? Wave at me so I know that you're alive. Yeah, hey, look at that. There's a lot of you. A bunch of, you know, we're supposed to boycott Amazon. What are you doing? I'm joking. I'm joking. No, Marie has a Prime account and she works in the office, so. (laughs) Yeah, pray for her. Yeah. It's the Walmart of online shopping. So, yeah, we've all received a notice like that, right? Where it's like, tug on it. Like, there it is again. Let me, just, let me just create a scenario here. What if you saw the notice on your door and you were like, that's not true. I don't believe the note. I don't believe it. I don't believe there's, I don't even remember ordering a package from Amazon. You know, how could they have something delivered waiting for me? at the warehouse, at the post office. You know, I don't even remember doing it, but there's a note just the same. What if you didn't believe it? If you didn't believe the notice that was on your door that someone delivered a gift to you, how many of you know that you'll never, ever make the effort necessary to actually get and then utilize the gift that is there waiting at the distribution center? The gift is there all the same. Like, that gift will be there till Jesus comes back. Like, there it is. They're wondering, like, like whose name is on? This has been here since 1972. Like, whose gift is this? Like, how many of you, it'll sit there. I mean, I don't know the process. I got some mailmen out there, you see types who are like, that's not how it works. Well, actually, send it back. Can you work with me a little bit? Kevin Nolker, where are you at? Can you give me a little latitude? I'm not a mailman. I don't know. But, yeah, see, he was a retired mailman. That's how he got rich. <laughs> So that package will sit there forever because I didn't believe the word that was sent that was meant to provoke me to do the work necessary 
to go and actually acquire it. And this is the thing, guys. Like, we, we think that if it's a benefit of the kingdom, we believe that the benefit should be automatic. How many of us believe that? You don't have to raise your hand. It's like, well, if Jesus did it, if Jesus paid for it, well, then it'll just, it'll just happen in my life. Can I submit to you that the benefits of the cross aren't automatic? How many of you know that Jesus Christ, it says, was a propitiation for the entire world, both those who would accept him and those who never would? How many of you know that somebody paid for all of those people and they're perishing through lack of knowledge, through lack of desire, lack of willingness, willingness, maybe some willy-nilliness? Right? So, so a, a, a word, obviously that by analogy, the, the, the word of God has been sent. We, we have the word of God, but if we don't believe the word, I'm like, there ain't no way. That's no way that's true. That is no, then we'll never actually proceed to the next step of, of believing God, renewing our minds, and then seeing it applied to our lives. It's like, no, I don't believe that. And, and, and for some of us, for some of us, we've just been taught. It's like, like you, you read the notice on the wall, like you read the notice on your front door. You're like, oh, there's a package there. <laughs> that doesn't mean that there's a delivery for me today. That means that sometime in the millennia, um, there's going to be a package. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thanks for that note that says there was a package delivered that I'm going to get to eventually. You're so good. That is just so great. See, because we've been indoctrinized to believe, or rather to disbelieve the note. Well, that note says there's a package, but it can't possibly be for today. And so similarly, we don't do the work necessary to renew our minds and to apprehend the Word of God, to place a demand on the finished work of the cross, what happened in His death, burial, and resurrection. Like, we're not placing a demand on it. Like, listen, if the benefits of the cross come via the knowledge, then how many of you know we need to understand what Jesus did? If you don't know what Jesus did, you're never going to do anything about it. You'll just wait till you die someday. You know, we stand before Jesus and he's like, I had so much more for you. Didn't you read the note? Well, I read the note, but I... You know, in some of you, it's like, you know, the, the postman showed up and put the sticky note on your front door, but the wind blew it away and you never, you know, you never read it or, you know, whatever, whatever happened. But the point is you never read the word. And if you never read the word, you're never going to go get the package you need to read the Word. We, we, we apprehend the benefits of the cross via knowledge, knowledge that comes both in experiential relationship, but also from the Logos, the Word of God that was written down for us. Wasn't this like the whole thing for Martin Luther? Like you need to read the Word of God and be transformed. Don't just trust some priest. Don't just trust some commentary. Read it and allow the teacher who is called Holy Spirit to bring an impartation of that word to you. Amen. You'll never apprehend the benefits of the cross if you don't first know the benefits. How many of you know that divine healing is one of those benefits? When I first got a hold of this, it was a season where I was on the mission field. I'm telling you, like, I got to a point where I drew a line in the sand and I said, listen, like, I need to know 
I need to know what in the world does the Bible say about this topic? What does it say? And so I spent hours and hours and hours over the course of about a six-month period. And as I began to excavate the truths of the Scripture, I came alive in love for him all over again. Because I realized that he had a benefit available to me that I was not contending for in the place of faith. A benefit that, listen, he didn't need to include, but he did. Like this morning, I want to give you a snapshot of Scripture. But listen, it's a, it's, a, it's a one-off message in a series of weeks and weeks and weeks that I could teach on the subject. Someday, maybe I'll jump back into a series. So understand, there's a lot more that I could say about this subject. But I just want to, you know, what I mean, what do I have, a half hour? Okay. We're going to do the best we can here. Did I just hear Brandy? Where's she at? How's your head? <laughs> she, she, listen, she had a headache before she came, texted Misty and said, I'm not going to be there today. I had a headache. Misty said, today's a healing service. She said, I'll be there. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and the scoffer said, amen. <laughs> we look back to Adam and Eve. Which you understand that when we looked at Adam and Eve, it's, it's the pre-sin state of man, right? And so when you want to understand the, the will of God on earth for humanity, it's an easy place, an easy go-to. And how many of you know that Adam and Eve actually, did, they didn't have any sickness? That Adam and Eve were designed by God to live forever. They were eternal beings. Do we know that? Now you do. If you didn't know, you, now you know. Right? So the, so the pre-sin state of man was a sickness-free existence where we would literally live forever. The question is, and this is the question in this series, the all-sufficiency of the cross, did Jesus redeem what the first Adam lost, or didn't he? And if, if we were designed by God in the beginning to walk sickness-free, and we can see that sin, or rather that sickness was only introduced after sin was introduced to the world, Right? So if the, if the pre-sin state of man was a sickness-free state, we see that this was the will of God that he declared was good in the very beginning before that corruption came in. I, I think we can easily come to a place now where we go, oh, well, since you're the God who never changes, you're the God who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your design for me is also to walk without sickness in this earth. Just turns out Jesus actually did something very specifically about that. We believe in this house that, G, that Jesus on that cross actually did reverse the effects of Adam. So yeah, but we still die, right. And it says that even death will be put under his feet. That's the only thing the Bible says that has yet to come. It's the only thing. Everything else has been fully redeemed. Women, by the way, that includes you. I think we're going to talk about that in this series simply because the Southern Baptist just recently got it wrong. We all right? Jesus redeemed you too. Boy, it, I'm about this close to just getting after that. How many of you know what communion is? I got, like, Brandy wasn't even feeling good when she came in. She's the most active one in here right now. <laughs> communion, we have the, the elements that represent his body and his blood, right? 
We're called by Scripture to do this. It says as, as often as we do this, we're doing it in remembrance of him. Uh, what this, this practice that we do, it, it's actually recalling the finished work of the cross, and there's a sense in which we're entering into a, a remembrance of what was done, but I would submit to you also an application of what was done. I had a friend on the mission field who had malaria. He went in and he engaged with God and took communion. His malaria left immediately. Why? Because of the blood that was spilled and the broken body of Christ. Right? And, and, and we're talking about apprehending the benefits of the cross through the knowledge. We want to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because it actually unfolds that very sentiment as we look into this remembering what Christ did on that cross. Listen to this. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in other words, that's what he accomplished on the cross. We're proclaiming his death until he comes back. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? Yes. Right? And when he comes back the next time, he actually is coming to judge nations. Okay. I want to preach about that too. But we keep it all, keep it all buttoned down. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you sleep. Now, there are numerous thoughts on what it means to take communion to take the body and blood of Christ, that practice that we do, to take it in an unworthy manner. I'm not going to get into that in the depth in which it deserves this morning. I want to focus on verse 29 and verse 30. Now, what it says here is this. It says that by not judging uh, or discerning, or another translation says rightly dividing, so in a sense, remove this sense of negative judgment out of your minds. So rightly dividing, by not rightly dividing the body, of Christ, there were people who were sick and they were dying. Can you read that in there? Yeah. Right? So is it safe to say then that the reverse would be true? Is it safe to say then that if it's saying that by not doing this, sickness and death was being introduced into the body of Christ, that by doing it, we can actually stay off sickness and death? Right? So, so in other words, by, by rightly dividing the body of Christ, we would not be sick and we would not die. Can you see that in there? I, and and I, would, I would add to this that by nature, by the, by the very nature of the fact that this even exists in the texts, you have to understand the unfolding of the will of God on the subject. What's the will of God? Is it to heal me, to afflict me, to keep me sick, to relegate it to some future benefit? We actually see the will of God here. The will of God is, being, is actually unfolding to us in a warning. The warning is this, hey, you're not rightly dividing the, the body of Christ, and thus there are sick people... And, and people who are dying in the body of Christ. You, you understand, with the warning, it, it implies or expresses the will of God on the subject because if it was his will to continue to afflict you or for you to continue to be sick and dying, how many of you know the warning and the fix for the problem wouldn't exist in the scripture? Are you all right? I can see right now this is brand new for some people. That's good. That's why we're hitting it. Right? By nature of the fact that the warning exists, the warning itself. Like if, I, if somebody was going to walk and break their ankle in a hole, and I'm like, hey, just I want to warn you, there's a hole right there, then I don't want you to break your ankle. <laughs> Are we getting it? 
there's sickness and death among you. There's a hole. I don't want you to step in it. Let me point out the hole. Why are you pointing out the hole? Because it's my will that you don't have sick and dying in the house of God. You see it right there inherent in the scriptures. Okay, so the question then remains, what does it mean to rightly judge, rightly divide the body of Christ? That's the question. And that's the, that's the question that commentators debate on. Just so happens I've got it all buttoned down. <laughs> there are two schools of thought on the subject. One is that we are called to rightly divide the body of Christ, meaning you and I, we are the body of Christ. All right? And, and so with this comes the theology that we have to first examine ourselves and cleanse ourselves to make sure that we're not in sin before we partake of the communion. We have all those kinds of practices. The thought process behind that is that we need to rightly divide the body of Christ, meaning the church of God, to make sure that all the leaven is swept out of the house. Okay? That's option number one. Option number two is that we are rightly dividing the body, the physical body of Christ. So not the spiritual body, not you and me as the body of Christ in, in the form of the church, but the physical body of Jesus Christ, which was beaten and broken. Like the chastisement of my peace was upon him. Like his body was broken for me. My iniquities were laid upon him. He released to me the saving, uh, the saving grace that we now walk in, right? Like it's the body of Christ that endured such horrific torture by not rightly dividing that body which was striped for my healing. Thank you, all three of you. You're doing good following along. <laughs> by not rightly dividing his body which was striped for my healing, then there's sickness and death in the church. So which is it? Is there a world that we can live in where it's both? <laughs> and I do think that's the world we live in. How many of you know when you see the polarized, like, it's this, it's this, ah, it's probably somewhere over here. We all right? Like in, in, and I'm not going to get into this in depth. It, it, is, it is my belief. You can search it out. I can give you some notes on the subject. That there were actual unbelievers taking communion and thus heaping judgment upon themselves. That's why, uh, I was going to say the Apostle Paul, that's why Paul Durie prefaces when we do communion with, in this house we do an open communion, but we ask that you would be a believer. Why? Because you're proclaiming the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. You're proclaiming like the, the, the fix to the problem of sin, sickness, and death. You're proclaiming that. You're putting it over yourselves, and yet you have not submitted yourself under it. And thus the judgment of the cross comes upon you. Think about that. I believe it's both that and the other. And the other sense, which we've already kind of articulated, is this. That by not rightly dividing the body of Christ. So for some of us, that means we've read the word of God. We just don't believe it. Well, what happened with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? What actually happened? That's called rightly dividing the word. Rightly dividing the body of Christ. What did he actually accomplish on that cross? And if we don't know the answer to that... The inevitable result in this narrow uh, version that we're talking about this morning is that we will have sickness and death in the body of Christ. Why? Because we're not believing him for the benefits of the cross. Maybe we don't know them. Maybe we ignored the notice on the door. Maybe somebody told us the notice wasn't for today. 
But for whatever reason, we see this even as early as the, the church in Corinth, where people were not rightly dividing the body. In other words, they were not discerning the full benefit of the cross and thus contending and believing in faith for those benefits and then applying it to their lives. I believe you see both things actually unfolding here. But note this, the scripture is talking about the sense in which we come into the benefits of the cross through the knowledge of what he did. And, and what's the result of having the lack of knowledge? We perish. Look at this. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I talk about the benefits package. You know when you sign up for an employer, you get a benefits package, right? When you sign up for the kingdom, how many of you have, there's a pretty good health care package included? <laughs> I got Charles anyways. <laughs> We're doing good. So what are, what are the benefits? Isn't that the question? What does the word of God say? And I'm, we're, we're, we're excavating that in this series, the all-sufficiency of the cross. If you haven't been with us, we've already touched on several things, like being redeemed from sin, for example. You're no longer a sinner. You're not a slave to sin. You've been redeemed. You've been buried with him in baptism and raised again to newness of life, born again, a brand new creation. I actually was supposed to preach on that today. You got sickness instead. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so several of those things that have actually been included in the cross, we've already, talked, we've already touched on. We're going to touch on a few more before we land the plane. And today we're touching on Sickness, obviously. What are the benefits? Look at this. Psalms 103, starting in verse 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who are we talking about? Benefits of who? Come on. I know you're, I know you're alive. Jacob Johnston. My nephew is right there. He just needed to be called out. It's all, it's, all, it's all good. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. We're talking about the benefits of Jesus Christ. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Come on. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth, Charles, is renewed like the eagle. Come on. So that your youth... You know, forget none of his benefits. So the question is like, what are his benefits? Okay, it actually enumerates a couple of those. We're going to look at that. So what are his benefits and, and when did we receive those benefits? Right? By the way, what I'm teaching you by teaching you is how to study your Bibles. Can you see that? Like we're just going through, all we're doing is asking questions of the texts. Benefits, where do those benefits come from? Oh, benefits, they come from Jesus. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it says. Well, when did those benefits happen? Ah, dig into it. The Holy Spirit, the teacher, will help you, right? Number one, he pardons all of our iniquities. That's the first one it lists. When did Jesus, when did God pardon all of our iniquities? On the cross. So let me, let me backtrack a little bit and say, did he do it in the Old Testament? <laughs> no, he did not. If Jesus pardoned all of our iniquities in the Old Testament, then there would have been no longer a need for blood sacrifices to continue. He didn't pardon all of our iniquities in the Old Testament. There were points of time where they would do an atonement that pointed to what Christ would do, but they had to do it over and over again because he wasn't healing, he wasn't rather forgiving all of their sins at that point in history. The only time that Jesus pardons all of our iniquities, forgives all of our sins, is on the cross in the New Testament and the New Covenant. 
Okay, so listen, the reason I'm saying it like this is because I want you to, because some people say, no, that's Psalms 103, that's the Old Covenant. That's the Old Testament. I'm like, well, if it's the Old Covenant, then I want to go back. But listen, the, the text itself interprets itself. As we all know, if we've read our Bibles at all, there was no full and complete forgiveness apart from the cross. The cross was God's answer. It was only in the New Testament that this happens, which means then that the benefits that are listed are New Testament, New Covenant benefits. That means they're yours. So what's the next benefit? Obviously, he's the one who pardons all of our iniquities. Like, how many would shout a hallelujah? He doesn't see your sin anymore. Like, is that not a big deal? Holy smokes, it's only, because of the, it's only because of benefit number one that we have the ability to come into his throne of grace at all. It's only because of benefit number one that I can do anything before him. Otherwise, my righteousness, the Bible says, is a filthy rags. I've got nothing to offer apart from benefit number one. This is everything. But benefit number two, the one who heals all all of our diseases. When did this happen? The good Lord will always trap you with only one answer. It happened subsequent to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wait a second. Well, you mean to tell me that he, he heals all my diseases? That that's what happened on the that that's a benefit. Remember, we're talking about the benefit package. That's the Bible, not me. That he healed all the sickness and all the disease that ever was and ever will be. That's crazy. Crazy good. Listen, I, I, is it in the Bible? If the Bible says that he healed all of your diseases, I just want to ask this question. When did he give them back? Every so often, you just got to be T.D. Jakes, man. <laughs> when did he give them back? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched him in a while. I don't know. <laughs> when did he give them back? <laughs> he didn't give them back. If he healed all of your diseases... If he healed all of your sicknesses, like what's not included? Well, surely not cancer. That's a big one. Is it big to God? Does it somehow trump the word of God? Like, isn't this the final note on the subject? Why would we say something different than what the scriptures say? Anybody? Did you say that, Brian? That was, okay, I'm going to give that to you credit anyways. <laughs> he heals all. He heals all. How could a God who sends his son to die for sickness, and, and how much sickness? Yeah, you're alive now. I love it. It's good. How could a God who sends his son to die for all sickness then reserve just a little bit over here to personally afflict his children. Okay, let me, let me put it in more Christian palatable ease, right? 
How could the God who sent his son to die for all sickness secretly reserve just a little bit to keep you dangling along so that your character could be improved? It's like, man, brother, can you, can you pray for me? I'm not doing good today. Ah, just, I'm discerning. I'm just discerning that, that God, is the, the, like God is the one who gave you this sickness and he's got a purpose and a plan for it. And until that unfolds completely in your life, there's just nothing we can do. Uh, said no part of the Bible ever. Yeah. It's not in there. So, like Jesus either like, died and healed all our sicknesses or, or none. Like there's no like in between. But some people, some people have read the notice on the door. And they've got excited because the notice said, hey, Jesus, like, uh, Jesus delivered this gift. It's waiting for you to apprehend it by faith. He healed all of your sickness, all of your diseases. Oh, you know what that, you know what that post-it note means? That means that when you die, when you die, you're going to get healed. A lot of people say that. Yeah, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be healed. Okay. Uh, is there any sickness in heaven? No. There's no sickness there. There's no sickness in heaven, right? Okay. So, I mean, we'll, we'll at least grant that, right? Uh, you know what else is not in heaven? Your body. You ever thought about it? Your body's not there. Uh, how many of you know that, that heaven is actually a... <laughs> heaven is a spirit realm. There aren't any physical bodies there. Uh, can I submit to you that a spirit doesn't need physical medical healing? <laughs> I know it sounds elementary, because it is. But think about it just for a second. I think it was Adam Clark who said that if we relegate healing to the far off place of once we die, then death becomes our savior, not Jesus. I didn't say it, he did. That's a powerful word though. Death isn't my savior, Jesus Christ is. And the only time I've got a body is right now. Right? Whatever comes after he comes back, I don't even know. I I think it was the apostle Paul says, I don't even know what we're going to become. I can't speak to whatever that is. All I can say is right now I've got a physical body. This physical body came under the effects of sin when Adam sinned so many years ago. But Jesus Christ on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection paid a price for me to raise up with him into newness of life. And that has impacted this old ugly body. And it's raised it into newness of life, which includes healing. He heals all of my diseases. He heals all of my sicknesses. It's it's a benefit that's available today because it doesn't make sense to push the benefit off to any other time in history. This is the only time I've got this body. It's the only time I'm going to need the benefit. Thus, it's the only time that the Word of God applies to this situation. Can we see that? He's the God who heals this broken down old body that's coming under the effects of sin and a fallen creation. Good news, He's done something about it. And he's commissioned us to go preach the good news to all of creation. And part of that good news is, hey, Jesus did something about that. Jesus healed all of your sickness, all of your disease. Just the same as Psalms 103 is famous for the atonement. The same is said of Isaiah 53. Let's take a look at that. Verse 4. He says, Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. 
But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being, that's the word shalom, fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. The first opening line there, verse 4, says, Surely our griefs he himself bore. Uh, That, folks, is a bad translation. Say, well, do you know Greek better than the authors here? In this instance, yes. And the reason is because this is the only place in the Bible that it was translated grief, and in every other instance it was translated sickness. And the first rule of Bible interpretation is to allow the Bible itself to interpret itself. The word is sickness. Surely our sickness he himself bore. And the Bible will interpret that truthful reality in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Uh, Starting in verse 16, it says this. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word. Come on, Jesus, do it again. Then he healed all who were ill. How many did he heal? Huh. Uh, last I remember reading in Hebrews that Jesus was the exact representation of Father God on the earth. Exactly, 100%, not to the left or to the right. He was the picture of the Father God, his heart, his will, his ways on earth. How many did he heal? What's it say in Psalms 103? You guys are getting it. You're good. Verse 17. This was to fulfill that which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Now, here's the exact scripture out of Isaiah we just read. That he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. It interprets Isaiah 53, 4 for us by suggesting it's not grief. It's actually sickness that he carried on that cross. Let me ask again. If Jesus carried your sickness on the cross, if he's the Psalms 103 God that healed all of your diseases, when did he give them back to you? Listen, we die, we literally perish for lack of knowledge because somebody either convinced us that the knowledge that we had wasn't true. Somebody convinced us that the Bible doesn't doesn't really say that. God's not really that good. That's for some future time. We're perishing. We have sick and dying in the body because we have not rightly divided the word. We've not rightly divided the benefits of the body that was broken so that mine didn't have to be. It is through knowledge that we gain the benefits. We renew our minds through the reading of the word. Faith builds up on the inside of us. Expectancy builds up on the inside of us. And then our lives begin to align with his word. You know, I didn't have anybody healed under my ministry when I believed that they wouldn't get healed when I prayed for them. (laughs) Funny thing about that. You know, I, I don't know how many people that I prayed for and I thought, and honestly, I was in seminary. And I would pray for the sick. And some of the pastors that were there, they would say something like this. It was a black seminary. They'd say, Lord, be it done according to your will. And I'd go, oh, according to your word. Excuse me. That's what they say. I literally, at one time I remember, I stepped out of the prayer circle and I thought, I can't pray that with integrity because I don't know what the word of God says. Here I am in seminary. (laughs) Let it be done according to your word. what What does your word say on the subject? You know, when I lived in that space without the knowledge of what Christ did on that cross, we didn't see anybody healed. Now I live at a place with expectancy of what he said. And when people walk through that front door, whether we lay hands on them or not, they're getting healed. Wave at me again if you've been healed this morning in this service when nobody touched you. Come on, raise them really high. Look at that. I'm seeing new hands. 
Look at that. That's how, we haven't even prayed for anybody yet. We haven't. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It was through the knowledge that the benefit was apprehended, and it's through that knowledge that I get to release that blessing to you in this ministry. I think that's good enough. Mary Nell, why don't you come on? Come on down. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in the Old Testament, that everybody got healed, and in the New Testament, everybody got healed, why would we think somehow God's changed for today that he stopped? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, except for this big swatch of history here in the middle where you don't receive any of those benefits. And it makes sense, does it? I thought we could just have the bongo there for a second here. We're going to just take a minute. We're just going to just allow Holy Spirit to come. God may tell us some specific things. He may not. It's only 1130. We've got plenty of time. We're only here until 1, 130. It's a joke. Even my elders are looking at me crosswise. If you've come in here with sickness this morning, you know what? I'm just feeling to say something different here. If you've come in this morning and you believe the doctrine that you walked in here this morning with, in regard to healing has been challenged and you feel faith rise up on the inside and you go, I can't refute that. That's the word of God. It says it as plainly. Like if you've come in here this morning, I, I want to invite you, not publicly, but I want to invite you first and foremost to repent. Repentance is just changing our minds. It's changing what we're thinking. Because if we walk out of here and we continue to think that Jesus didn't do anything about these bodies, then we'll continue to get the results that we got before we came in here. We need to repent. We need to change the way that we think. I want to invite you into that. Come, Holy Spirit. Take away every bit of doubt, every bit of unbelief, every spirit that's attached to it to perpetuate that lie and keep us sick. We're inviting you. Eliminate it. Go in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.